Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay. You are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR, 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. This is Dr. Patty, and today we are going to talk about our life's purpose. And I know that sounds kind of broad and kind of general, but in my private practice, people often come in and feel like they are unhappy with their lives or they're floundering. Uh, sometimes they're bored or they feel unappreciated. Um, it's a common thing for people to be fearful of making a decision. They're worried it's going to lock them into a direction um, of some purpose that they might not be happy with down the road. So they'll tend to vacillate back and forth and not choose a direction. And then it creates more feelings of lost and unhappy. So they come into therapy and they say, I just don't know what my purpose is in life. or I don't exactly know who I am or I used to know who I am, but now I'm unhappy with the direction I'm going and I don't know how to change. Some people actively resist change. Some embrace it. Uh, some change too often. They can't go long enough in a direction to create any kind of success. So they short circuit themselves and try to change. So it's a very interesting therapeutic issue, and we're going to talk about it today because I want you to really be able to explore your purpose in life. If you're really happy with what you're doing and the direction you're going, it would be really nice for you to be able to say why you're happy and what is it about it that makes you grateful or settled or just feeling happy. Because when you know the answer to this question, you don't realize how many people you're going to be able to help. Because younger people will ask you as you grow older and get wise, how did you choose what you do? And why are you happy with what you do? And would you choose it again? So there's a question for you to stop and ask yourself. When you look at what your life's purpose is right now, do you know what it is? Do you feel good about it? Would you choose it again? Why? Or why not? So when you ask people, what is your purpose in life? Some will have a set answer and some will flounder around and say, I don't know. But listen to some of the common answers that people say. Their purpose in life is to be a good parent. Their purpose is taking care of their family, connecting with others, their career to be the best fill in the blank that they are, the best truck driver, the best nurse, the best therapist, the best whatever. Their purpose in life is to really focus on their career and be really good at what they do. Some people have a focus in life to travel. They work, earn money, do that stuff so they can plan their next trip and see the world. Some people have a cause that they believe in, a political cause or um environmental cause or something like that, and they really believe in that, um, saving an animal group that's endangered or something, and that feels like a purpose for their life. Some people, their purpose in life is to just be happy. We all know people whose purpose in life seems to be to make a ton of money, to have a fortune. Uh, some people want to make a fortune so they can help others. Some people want to make a fortune so they're never starving or poor like when they were younger. So there comes all kinds of answers to what is your purpose in life. 
And there comes all kinds of answers to what if you don't know? What are you floundering about? What are you wishing you could find out? So the purpose of this show today is what is your purpose? Are you floundering or are you happy? Either one. By the end of this show, I want you to be able to have some direction to be able to answer that question. And I'm going to give you some concrete skills, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. And hopefully in some of the examples I give you, you might see yourself and know that there's a direction that you can begin to go. I wanted to refer you to something that's really cool. A a lot of people feel unhappy with their lives. They feel like they're suffering. They're forsaken. Forsaken means that um, God has abandoned them or that they don't have any spiritual purpose, or they just feel lost. And they feel like they've been dealt a bad hand of cards, and they are suffering with what they have to deal with. There is this really cool video that you can access online. Um, There's this guy, and his name is Vic Jusek, and I'm, I'm Vusajek. It's a very hard last name to say. He's Australian. And he did a video called No Arms, No Legs, No Worries. Nick is this amazing guy. When you watch the video, you are just awestruck. He was born into this world with no arms and no legs. He has this one little tiny kind of foot attached at the hip that uh, he jokes around about, but he uses to, like, type on a computer keyboard and stuff. But this man has the most positive incredibly optimistic attitude. Um, The video shows how he was when he was a little tiny kid. Um, It shows him learning how to swim. His parents talk about how they were told he would never be a functioning human being. This man is amazing. He's now a minister. He's married. He has a child. Uh, He is one of the most hopeful people that you've ever seen. If you have been feeling badly about the hand you've been dealt and you're suffering with chronic pain or limitations or um, body problems, watching Nick's video, No Arms, No Legs, No Worries, is just really uplifting. You'd think it would be make you sad to see somebody like this, but you don't watch that video and end up feeling sad. You are smiling and going, my heavens, if this man can tackle his life, then I can tackle mine. So it's very uplifting. It's a wonderful thing to watch with your kids. So check it out. Um, Nick Virgicic. <laughs> it's V-U-J-C-I-C, however you say that. Anyway, Nick, thanks for your input on this. You just do an incredible job with helping people find themselves and it's awesome. So we're going to we're going to be talking about this today so that you can start to put into perspective what it is you're here for. And before we finish in this first segment, I want to give you another thing to read or to listen to an audible. A long time ago, a man named Viktor Frankl wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. This book had a powerful influence in my life. I read it in, I must have read it in the 70s. Um, It's a timeless book. It's perfect for today. He was a Jewish concentration camp survivor, lost his whole family, uh, lost his pregnant wife in the concentration camps. 
but was able to come out and write this book. He has a MD and a PhD, he's a clinical psychologist, a psychiatrist, and he's just amazing. But some of the lessons that Viktor Frankl teaches in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, is that we cannot avoid suffering. It is part of our human condition. And I want you to remember that because as I teach you things today about how to look for your purpose in life, if you thought that your purpose is to avoid suffering, to always be happy, to never be in pain, to not suffer any adversity, then you're missing the point of why we're here. And so we're going to go into this more in just a bit. But Viktor Frankl talks about we cannot avoid suffering. It is really important. What we can do is choose how to cope with the suffering. What are our coping mechanisms? How do we deal with it? What attitude we bring to it? So our primary drive in life is to find meaning. And if we recognize that suffering cannot be avoided, that all we are left with is to choose how to cope, and if our primary drive is to find meaning in life, then those things can direct our journey to find our purpose. So if we take a look at that really quickly for No Arms, No Legs, No Worries from Nick's video, would anybody else be suffering with just a torso? Yeah, it's not an easy existence. But this man chooses how to deal with his suffering, how to cope with it, and finds full intense, beautiful meaning in his life. It is a huge example of what Viktor Frankl tries to get us to learn in Man's Search for Meaning. So I highly recommend you get that DVD and watch it or get on YouTube and bring up Nick um, and that you either read or listen to Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Okay, we're going to go to break and when we come back, I want to take you through some examples of how we find our purpose. Be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You're listening to Randy McGinnis, Native American flutist. His music is absolutely breathtaking. You can get on his website, randymcginnis.com, and check out all six of his CDs. They are all different, and they're all beautiful, and very relaxing, and just something to help bring you down and calm you down. Thank you, Randy, for letting us use your music on our show. Okay, so we're talking about finding your purpose in life. And I want to look at an issue that I see often in my office. And that is, is it okay for parents to decide what their children's purpose is in life? Now, I think theoretically, intellectually, People will say, no, no, no. Children have to find their own purpose in life. They have to go forward with their own interests and all of that. But I can tell you from practical experience in dealing with people that that is not always the case of what happens. People feel pressured into going into the family business. They feel pressured into following religious paths. They feel that if they choose anything other than fill in the blank, they will disappoint their parents and have to suffer the wrath of their parents or the rejection. 
And so if you are subtly pushing your children into a direction that you feel is in their best interest, this is a section for you to really listen to. And I want to give you an example. Uh, There's a person that I know who felt very much pushed by his parents, but especially by his father, into becoming an attorney. And he didn't want to disappoint his dad. And he also understood that there was a lot of historical heritage and push by their community. Uh, They were Jewish, and they had ancestors who had been through the Holocaust, and people who had uh, ancestors who had come over from Russia and Poland and European countries to escape the Holocaust. And they felt it was very important for young Jewish men to go forward with professional careers. And so it was always a joke with him and his friends that you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. And if that didn't work, then you could be a pharmacist. I mean, it was always just a joke from with his friends. And so the issue was that he knew it was very important to his Jewish parents for him to become an attorney, but he didn't want to. And so he struggled in college with what he wanted to do and just didn't know how to say, I don't want to do that. He knew even back then that he wanted to be a history teacher. And when he talked about that, he it was poo-pooed and told no, that wasn't a good career, and he needed to make more money, and he needed the prestige and the direction and the professionalism of being a doctor or a lawyer. So he kind of vacillated with that and went forward with his parents' wishes because also what was ingrained in him traditionally is that you make your parents happy and you follow them. And when they tell you what's right, you don't question that. So it was very a difficult thing for him. And he ended up becoming an attorney and always wanted to be a history teacher. And later would talk to kids about finding their purpose and saying it's really important that you look at what you want to do. And you can't just do what your parents want you to do just to make them happy. So... Then we fast forward, and what happened was he embraced the career that he had felt kind of forced into and became really good at it, and then ended up representing abused children and found his purpose, found his calling, and found it within the framework of that which he was not happy with. So it's a really good example of man's search for meaning. He felt like he was forced. He was kind of angry about that. He dealt with emotions about that. He was disgruntled for a while about really wanting to do something else. But over time, found his meaning in the suffering that he felt that he had and became really good at what he was. And in his job as an attorney, saving thousands of kids abused children over the years. He found his calling, he found his purpose, and he felt at peace. The man I'm talking about is my husband I was married to for 39 years until he died of a brain disease. And Rich, if Rich were here, it's hard to say out loud, Um, if Rich were here, 
he would tell you that story himself. So I'm not violating his confidentiality. He would tell that whole story. And he would say, find your purpose early in life and be careful how you choose it. And don't let someone push you in a direction you don't want to go. But if you have been pushed in a direction that you didn't want to go, if you are in a career that you have a lot invested in and it's just too hard to throw it away and start all over, embrace it. Find your purpose within that which makes you suffer. And he was just a really cool guy that would tell you that lesson, and it was very powerful. So uh, take that and run with it, because it's, it's, that's a lesson from Rich. And he would, I know he's smiling in heaven going, yeah, tell him some more. <laughs> anyway, so let's look at how do you spend your time. Because when you say you don't know what your purpose is, it is really indicative of who you are by where you spend your time. And this is what I ask people in my office. If you take a look at your day, where do you spend a bulk of your time? And when you're not doing that, like let's say your job is where you spend a bulk of your time and it puts groceries on the table and pays your mortgage and puts shoes on your kids. Okay, so where you spend your time, is that where you like spending your time? Do you feel good about it? Are you disgruntled about it? Do you need to make changes? And then when you're not doing that thing, like your career, your job, what do you do to make yourself happy? Where do you spend your off time. Do you sit on the couch and watch TV? Do you stare at your phone? I mean, that's what we see everybody doing these days. If you are really focused on your electronics and you find that phone in your hand all the time, there's something you can do to check yourself. Go to settings on your phone, go to apps and notifications, and look at screen time. And at the end of every day, notice how much screen time you've had. This is a way to also check how much your kids are on their screen time. But let's start with ourselves. How much time do we spend staring at the phone? It's interesting because if that's where your main passion is and you're spending hours per day staring at your phone, yet you feel lost, unappreciated, unimportant, floundering, like you don't have a direction, I want you to notice where you are choosing to put your time and your attention. It is a huge indication of what we want, where we spend our time. So take a look at that for yourself. And as you're beginning to say, do I know my purpose in life? Do I need to find my purpose in life? Or do I need to change because I'm unhappy? Then The place to start is to say, where do I spend most of my time? So take an 18-hour day and divide up how you spend your time in that 18 hours. It will be a huge eye-opener. So when you figure out that you are lost, then you can begin to find yourself. Henry David Thoreau said that. Not until we are lost do we begin to find ourselves. So I'm asking you, are you lost? Do you know your purpose in life? And can you begin to find yourself now? What I'm hoping to give you is those skills that will let you decide, do I have my purpose in life? And if the answer is, yeah, I'm really happy with what I do, then I want you to be able to say, why are you happy? What is it you love about it? 
so that when younger people, your children or your nieces or nephews or um, some 10-year-old says, why did you become what you do or why do you do that? Now, let's, let's clarify something here. Let's say you have a job versus a career. Your job gives you a paycheck, puts groceries on the table, pays your bills. Yet, your purpose might be to go hiking as often as you can, or to swim, or to save animals, or to work in with the homeless people. Your purpose in life doesn't necessarily have to be that which gives you a paycheck. That's up to you to decide. Now, sometimes it's really cool if your purpose in life also is your career because you get to spend a real bulk of your time doing what you love. And that is always a really cool goal, to follow, to work your bliss is what we call that. What's your bliss and do you get to work it? So like let's say you're really into saving marine animals and you become a marine biologist and you become successful as a marine biologist and you get to work your passion. So that's a really cool thing and something that we want to teach kids to look for if they can do that. So what is your passion? Where do you spend your time? Is the way you earn money or pay your bills, is that a job or is it a career? Is that thing that earns you money, does it give you meaning? Or is it just something that you do to pay for what you really want to do? And all of that is okay. I'm not passing judgment on any of that. But I want you to be able to say clearly the answers to those questions. All right. We're going to go to break. When we come back, I'm going to give you some practical suggestions on how you make some life choices and how you can guide your kids or young people to really look hard at the choices they've made. Or if you're going to go into a stage in your life where you're going to reinvent yourself, let's look at how you do that. All right. We're going to break and we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. I lost listening to the music for a second. It's beautiful. Randy McGinnis, Native American flutist. Okay, this is Dr. Patty. And we're talking about finding your purpose in life. And what are your life choices? And what are some practical suggestions for helping young people find this or helping you if you want to reinvent yourself because you recognize you are really unhappy or you got pushed into a direction for a career that is not what you want. Do you ever wonder how some people get into certain careers? Like I look at guys that drive those septic tank pump out things and I think, who wanted to do that? (laughs) How did they become a septic tank pumper outer guy? And I'd love to ask one of them sometime, how did you get into that career? Did you choose it? Um, Or a mortician. I mean, a lot of morticians are family businesses. So dad, grandpa was a mortician, dad was a mortician, grew up becoming a mortician. Um, But there are certain careers that take chutzpah, which is a Jewish word for bravery, uh, and a, 
And you wonder how people got into those. It'd be interesting for them to tell us. So how did you get into your career? That's something for you to look at. And I see kids come into my office and they say, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do, what direction I want to go, what my major is going to be in college. How do I figure this out? And I have kind of a spiel that I give them that I want to tell you if you're starting over, if you're trying to help your young person find a direction. One of the things I tell them is my story. When I was 16 or so, I decided I wanted to go in the Navy. But back then, when women went into the Navy, they had to go into the waves. There was no such thing as a men's, women's Navy, and everybody was equal. Women went in and became nurses. And I didn't want to become a nurse, and I didn't want to go into the women's Navy. I wanted to go into the real Navy. And so I kind of shelved that and knew that I wanted to become a doctor. I actually wanted to become a neurosurgeon because I was fascinated with brain stuff. But what I did is something that I teach kids now. I started researching what would it take to become a neurologist, a neurosurgeon, to work with brains. And I looked at the schooling and all that, and I loved school and I loved learning, so I wasn't daunted by how much schooling it took. But I also knew that I wanted to have a family and I wanted to be a mom. And it was important to me to raise my own kids. And I didn't want to have a career that kept me away from my family. So one of the things that kept coming up over and over again with becoming a surgeon, becoming a doctor, was they had very little time for their families. And you could be a good parent. I'm not saying you couldn't. But I didn't want to be the person who had their kids in daycare all the time or could never show up for the game or whatever. So I put that aside and I looked at how else could I work with brains, work with how people think and feel and react, and chose to become a psychologist because it spoke to my passion of what I wanted to do, but it fit my goals for my life. I knew that if I became a psychologist or a therapist or whatever, I could help people, I could do brain stuff, and I could form a life that allowed me to be a good mom. So then I went forward with how do I do this in college, and I researched that, and I came up with a plan that helped me, and I teach it to kids now. One of the things I tell them is get into college and go straight for your general ed. Take your first two years of college and do all your general ed, and every class you take must fit your general ed. So if you think you want to be an accountant, take classes that fit in the math requirements for an accountant. If you think you want to be a marine biologist, take science classes that fit in that sort of field, but also go for a general ed science prerequisite. If you want to be a psychologist, take psychology classes, but make sure everything you take fits for general ed. I saw so many friends in college that would go in saying, I'm going to be a and pick a profession, and they'd take all kinds of units toward that, and then they'd go, ah, no, I don't like this. But they'd have 15 or 30 units toward being an accountant or uh, being a marine biologist or pick a profession. They had something toward it, and they'd start over, basically. That Those 
Only a few of those units would count toward their general ed, and it would take them three or four years to get through their first two years of college because they kept changing. So the idea that you take your general ed, get it out of the way, then you use those classes to try and help figure out what you want to do. As you do other research, or you go job shadow, or you really look at your whole life's purpose of what you want, like I did. With I knew I wanted to have a family. I wanted to be a mom. I, I wanted to have a home life. So what I chose fit in with that. And I was able to finish my bachelor's degree in four years because in two years I got my general ed out of the way. And then everything I took my junior and senior year of college was all my major, all psychology classes, which really set me up to go into graduate school well because all my psych classes were at the last two years of my bachelor's and I was really ready to go forward with more advanced psychological training. So I teach that to kids now. Rather than waste time, money, and effort Not knowing what they want to do. Take some time to find it. That's a way to do a college plan, and that's very productive for kids. And the other thing I tell them to do, if they're not ready to go to college, or in this day and age you can almost make as much money not going to college, is to get themselves into volunteer positions or jobs that let them try on what they think that profession is about. So let me give you another example. I hear... People sometimes say, I want to be a nurse. And I say, okay, what kind of nurse do you want to be? And they kind of look at me. Uh, I don't know. There's a ton of different nursing professions, and there's a ton of different levels. So one of the things they can do as a young person is they can go get some basic training to become a CNA, a certified nurse assistant, and go and work in that job and see if they love the profession. They can look at the different degree options to become a nurse, an LVN, an RN, to get a bachelor's in nursing, to become a nurse practitioner, to go further and become a physician's assistant, to go further and become a medical doctor. They can look at the whole gamut of what that takes education-wise, money-wise, and what does that profession look like. You have to remember, to become a nurse... That's a career that's 24-7, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Nurses are needed. Now, can you become a nurse in a doctor's office and work Monday through Friday? Sure. But you have to be thinking about what is it you want. And when people say, I want to be a nurse, they usually have a vision. I want to be in the operating room. I want to take care of patients in the hospital. I want to work in a doctor's office. Uh, They have kind of a vision of what they want to do. And then I ask them, what's the vision for the rest of your life? And they often haven't stopped to think about that. Do you want kids someday? And they'll say, oh, yeah. I'll go, okay, so you're in a nursing career. um, And what does your partner do? Do you have an ability to leave kids with your partner while you're working the night shift, three nights a week or four nights a week? Or how do you picture that happening? And they often haven't stopped to think about this. So those are the practical suggestions I'm telling you about. Not only look at what is it you want to do, how much schooling will it take, or what kind of trade school will it take, how much money will you make, so what are the income potentials of this, and how does it fit with other life goals. If your goals are to travel, you might have a profession that lets you work on abroad or work on the Internet now. We can do that a lot. 
But you stop to think of what do I want my whole life to look at, look like? And one of the reasons I'm saying this is because when people will say to me, I don't feel like I know my life's purpose or I feel like I'm floundering, they often got shoved into a career or chose a career or fell into it and it's not allowing them to be who they want to be and they don't know how to change it. And if even if they could snap their fingers and change it to something else, they don't know what that is because they've never stopped to look at what would fit in with my whole life. So I often tell people, when you think of your career, think of the hours that that career takes. What is it a place that's open 24-7? Like if you want to own a restaurant because you love to cook, you need to look into it and know that most restaurant owners are at their business at 3 or 4 in the morning prepping for morning if they have if they serve breakfast. They're not showing up at 8 o'clock when you show up to get your omelet. They're there hours before you. They stay hours later. Restaurant owners and I that I've seen in therapy are extremely stressed and work long, tireless hours. And most restaurant owners will tell you, your restaurant works best when you are there. <laughs> restaurant owners out there are going, yeah, that's true. So it's a stressful position with a lot of hours and a lot of employee issues. And those are the things you need to look at. If you're just thinking, oh, I want an Italian restaurant because I love to cook Italian food. Oh, I want to be a chef and cook Italian food and own my own restaurant. Look further. It might be your passion. It might be what you want to do. And you might find your bliss there. But don't go into it blindsided because the people that end up in my office saying, you know, I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to own a restaurant. I never knew how exhausting it would be, how stressful it is, how I wouldn't make that much money, how I'd be having constant employee hassles. They didn't look into it. They just thought this is going to be romantic to be a chef in my own restaurant. So I'm just using that as an example to look further and really lay that out with how you want to be in the rest of your life. Okay, when we come back, I've got something really cool to teach you that I love teaching people in my office. So we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. Ah, love that music. Randy McGinnis, Native American flutist. All right, this is Dr. Patty, and I want to teach you something that I often teach to people in my office because it helps ground them into perspective about why we are here and what we do. And just before we end this show today, I'm going to offer you something for free. So listen, this is really cool. All right. This is a lesson that I call Earth School. And I'm just going to give it to you how I give it to people in my office. Let's say that we exist before we drop into these bodies, before we drop into these containers. I think of it as like the peanut butter jar. Okay, so we drop into these containers. And we existed from somewhere before. Now, my spiritual perspective of that is heaven, God. There, There's some other place that is greater than us. Now, you can put that in any religious or perspective that you want. Uh, it could be the universe or 
I don't know, whatever. So you exist somewhere before you drop into these bodies. And when you drop into these bodies, you are dropping into Earth School. Because here on Earth School, we're supposed to learn things. We don't come here and exist in this life, in this time-space continuum, for no reason. It's not just random. And we are here to learn things. Earth School is a definite school. I have never yet met anybody who exists on Earth School who has said, my life is so perfect and I'm always so happy and everything is wonderful and I have learned so much by all of that. Mostly what I hear is people grow and change and evolve from their suffering, from their adversity, from the difficult lessons that we are dealt in life. They grow, they gain wisdom, they advance in who they are as spiritual beings. So Earth School is the idea that we are here to learn. And in that learning, if we go back to Viktor Frankl again, there is learning, there is power in our suffering. And when we think we're put here on our school to just be happy or to, you know, and have fun, we're missing the real meaning of what's happening here. Man's search for meaning is to find meaning for his or her life through our suffering and to handle our suffering and to move forward. So Earth School is our opportunity to do that. And I like people to understand that when they drop into these containers, they're going to deal with suffering and adversity. My job as a therapist is I see people all wrapped up in fear. And you can go to my lessons about love and fear uh, in my podcasts. Go to Dr. Patricia Bay Therapy in a Nutshell podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Anchor, all sorts, every podcast form you can look at. We'll have it. And when you look at those, you look at the podcast called Love and listen to the lesson about love and fear. But when we are here on earth, we get wrapped up in fear. Fear of not being good enough, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment. And part of this issue of I don't know what my life's purpose is and I'm floundering is fear that we're missing out, fear that we're not good enough, fear that we should be doing something different to have more meaning in our life. Our search for meaning is relentless within people. So on our school, We're searching for our meaning, and we tend to get fearful that it's being withheld from us or we're not finding it. So the biggest issues I see as a therapist are that people are fearful of all these different things, and I like to look at what is it you're afraid of? Why do you have trouble making decisions? Are you afraid of not being good enough, afraid of being rejected, afraid of being locked into a career or a direction that you don't want to be stuck in and can't get out? What? are your fears. They are a window into your soul. The other piece that I see that people struggle with is they are very disconnected with why they came here or where they came from. People that have a foundation in faith will say, I was in God's hands. I evolved into this earth. It's I have a purpose to live and to find. They might have a spiritual perspective of why they're here on earth. People with a more uh, pragmatic view might say, all right, I'm 
I'm incarnated here on earth and I have to find what I'm supposed to be doing here. But I want to give you a really easy way to look at this. What my vision is, is when we come to Earth School, we have one purpose and we have one purpose alone. And that is to learn how to love. Now, I'm not trying to be all kumbaya and touchy-feely here. When we come to Earth School, we need to learn how to love. So as a therapist, what I'm looking for in people is how afraid are they to love? And I'm looking for three things. How well do they love others? How well do they get along with people? Do they have love in their life? Are they lonely? Um, How well do they open up their hearts and let others in? How much do they reach out to others and offer offer love to other people. And some people excel at loving others. They do it really well. Because the next thing I'm looking for is how well do you love yourself? How well do we love ourselves? It's the other purpose in our school. If we're learning how to love, we need to learn to love in three ways. One of them is learning to love others. Another is learning to love ourselves And the other is learning to love that place you come from. Now, my perspective of that is loving God, loving my spiritual belief system. And I'm not saying that has to be yours. I am totally respectful of anybody's religion or beliefs. But to stop and say, what are my beliefs? What do I believe why I'm here on earth? How did I get here? Where was I before? Where will I go after? Um, just knowing what your belief systems are and having some solid attachment to that so that there's comfort in that for you. So if your purpose on earth is to learn how to love, how well do you love others? How well do you love yourself? And how well do you love that place you came from? Because Within those three areas is where I find a lot of dysfunction and therapeutic issues that keep people from finding their purpose in life and being happy. So let's look at that for a moment. In what area are you strongest of those three areas? I see people that have incredibly strength, incredible strength in their religious foundation. But they're not real good at loving themselves and they're not real good at loving other people. I see people who are selfless in their service to others. They love others beautifully. They love their family. They love their kids. They uh, can lack spiritual development and they flounder spiritually and they don't do a good job loving themselves. I see people who are very narcissistic. They love themselves. Um, They think they're always right. They... uh, the world, the sun rises and sets in their opinions and who they are, and their self-love is huge. But they don't love others very well, let them in, or let them have who they are with balance. And they often have no spiritual perspective. So can you be stuck in any one of those three things and be atrophied in the other two? Yes. The people that I see that are most well-balanced, happiest in life, well-rounded, less lonely, more at peace are the ones that love themselves well, love others well, and have a foundation about, about why they are here and where they came from. 
So it's a really important and easy perspective for you to look at if you've been suffering and if you have been looking for purpose in your life and wanting to feel like you know your calling and what you're doing and why. So the issue, too, is that we can do this at any point in our life. I've seen people dying of cancer that in the last weeks of their life, they begin to open their hearts up and let people in and love better than they've ever loved. Because all of a sudden, it doesn't matter about trust or what the other person does or how much they weigh or what anything that we used to, that person used to judge others by. They're dying and they're opening their heart and letting people in. And you watch this love blossom in them, and it's absolutely beautiful. And my thought when I see that happen is, why wait? Why not start loving yourself and loving others and finding a spiritual foundation that gives you peace? And do all that now. Don't wait. So I hope that you've gotten something out of today. And I want to offer to you, I have a DVD that's only about 10 minutes long, and it's called Earth School. And it's animated, and you can watch it. And if you would like a free copy, a free download of Earth School, I want you to email me at drpatty, D-R-P-A-T-T-Y, at patriciabay.com. That's my website. You can click on Email Dr. Patty and just put in the subject line, Earth School. Maybe write me a brief note about um, how you're doing or what you get out of therapy in a nutshell or uh, idea for a show that you'd want in the future that might help you. I'd love to hear from you. I read everybody's emails, and I'll get back to you just as quickly as I can. But I will send you the link to get a free download of Earth School so that you can watch that lesson in an animated form. It's pretty cool. You can even show it to kids. And it's very comforting to people who are getting ready to go over to the other side. All right. Well, this is Dr. Patty, Dr. Patricia Bay. I want to thank you for joining us here on Therapy in a Nutshell, where I just want to help heal the world one hour at a time.
The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.